I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Prakaptan, and welcome back from the break. You probably weren't even aware you were on because as much as I was trying to convince you we were on one, we were still publishing episodes the entire time. This week marks the start of our new content schedule and of the next book, or I should say the first book of meditations, but first that new content schedule. On Mondays, we will have a meditation from Marcus. On Tuesdays, we will have a letter from Seneca. Those letters will not be read in order, but there will always be a reference in the show notes for that particular letter so that you can go and read it yourself. On Wednesdays, we'll have interviews, unless we don't have an interview lined up, in which case we will take this day off. On Thursdays, we'll have fireside chats with different members of the team and potentially various outsiders. On Fridays, we'll take questions from listeners and we'll answer them. So if you want to put questions in our mailbag, so to speak, join our Discord community, which is free, and submit those questions in the Ask Questions channel. You can find a link to our Discord in the show notes of every episode. You can also go to stoicismpod.com forward slash ask if you don't want to join the Discord but still want to ask a question. Although, just to be clear, questions asked from within the Discord will be prioritized over those which are not. On Saturdays, Emma Varvalukas will have her practical Buddhism segment, the way that Eric has his practical cynicism segment, and that will start in the middle of this month. So until then, there will not be episodes on Saturdays. And then on Sundays, Eric will have his Practical Cynicism content. So from now until about the middle of the month, you can expect episodes every day in the way I just laid out, except for Saturdays. And then once Emma starts, you can expect episodes every day, except for Wednesdays, if we don't have a guest lined up. Now, I have heard from some of you that it's hard to keep up with the schedule. I don't listen every day. Well, hey, that's cool. The content's going to be there waiting for you. So you get to sit back and relax and just consume the content on your own schedule. It's all evergreen. It all retains its value no matter when you listen to it. And the only thing that we ask of you is that if you have questions, definitely submit them for the Friday episodes because this entire episode is driven by listener questions. So if you have questions, we need to know what they are. We can't do this segment. So again, if you're in the Discord community, drop them in the Submit Questions channel or the Ask Questions channel. And if you're not, you can submit them at stoicismpod.com forward slash ask. 
One other thing before we start today, we've launched an in-depth learning product. We call it the Stoic Path. It is based in a separate Discord community, and it's what we have briefly referred to in the past as Pisma. If you're a premium subscriber to Pisma, don't worry, you've already been migrated and you probably already know this. But if you would like to join this ongoing cohort style of Prokoptons, which is dedicated to walking the path in the most committed way possible, please go to stoicismpod.com forward slash path. This is a lifelong learning community. It's not a chat community the way that our primary community is. So consider your aims carefully before joining. We want you to be sure that this is a commitment you want to make. Okay, so today is the day we turn back the clock on Marcus and his meditations and finally cover book one, which is a book of thank yous and gratitude expressed by Marcus to the people in his life. Sometimes we'll take this one thank you at a time, and other times we will group them together for the sake of time. If you're wondering why we waited to cover this, it's because these thank yous would not have made very much sense to anyone who did not have a little bit of knowledge of Stoicism, or even maybe a significant knowledge of Stoicism. So now that you've had three seasons of Marcus Aurelius, we can go back and read his thank yous and understand the value of them. So here is the first one, and it's likely to ruffle some feathers. From my grandfather Varus, I learned good morals and the government of my temper. The government of one's temper, when one is an emperor, seems, of course, like an obvious value. But is this valuable to someone who isn't an emperor? You may say that it is equally obvious that it is, but maybe it isn't. So let's think about it. What if a person is oppressed? Perhaps an uncontrolled and violent temper might be better than a temperate one. Perhaps it is better to lose one's temper in the face of adversity. So maybe Marcus is thankful for something silly here. Or because he's the emperor, he can be thankful for this and other people, people who are experiencing very difficult struggles in their lives, they couldn't be thankful for something like that because your temper fuels you and helps you to overcome oppression, let's say. Well, let's explore that possibility. Imagine that your town falls victim to a hostile foreign military. They take up residence in your homes. They mistreat you. They are rude. They reduce you to second-class citizens. Is uncontrollable rage the proper response to this? Is it helpful? Perhaps you say yes. And perhaps it is obvious that the answer is yes. But imagine you've organized and overthrown the usurpers. You've taken your town back. Was it really a lack of temperance or uncontrolled temper that enabled you to do this? I would suggest that it wasn't. An organized effort of just violence isn't uncontrolled rage. It isn't a lack of temperance. I would say it's the opposite of that. It is bided time. It is careful planning. It is appropriate strategizing. A lot of non-Stoics believe Stoicism is about never having emotions or emotional responses. To some extent, they are correct. Certainly, there must be some truth in this misconception or else it wouldn't be so persistent. Being a Stoic certainly does temper an individual such that when someone calls them a mean name, they are not reduced to tears or encouraged to punch that person in the face. Likewise, if a Stoic makes a decision to do X, they are far less likely, far less likely, to be perturbed by what others think of their decision to do X. But Marcus Aurelius was an emperor involved in the waging of many wars. 
if Stoics were against doing something about what they perceived to be things worthy of doing something about, Marcus's wars would be pretty hypocritical and perhaps hard to defend. Returning to our example of an overthrown town being retaken by those who were overthrown, a Stoic would certainly argue that an organized effort to restore justice to this portion of the cosmopolis was an appropriate effort. They would also argue a person should have the bravery to do it and, importantly, the wisdom to know when it should be done. Imagine a member of this invading army comes up to you on the street and bumps into you on purpose to bully you. What is the appropriate reaction? To punch them? But what if that led to the beating of your entire family? And what if you knew that was a very likely outcome before you threw your fist, and so you're armed with the knowledge of that potential outcome? If you didn't have control over your temper, you might do the thing that any of us would do in a similar situation. You might lose your cool. You might decide, to hell with this, I've had enough, and then you're in a futile fistfight that only leads to the unnecessary suffering of others. When you're oppressed, the appropriate response is to return justice to the cosmopolis. And that may well involve violent conflict. The Stoics were not necessarily against violent conflict. But when you are oppressed, it is decidedly not the appropriate response to do things that are not part of a larger strategy that returns justice. We see a lot of this today. It's very common to see angry people holding signs or making viral TikTok videos that gain them a lot of virtue points in the real world. And if those things actually make a difference, if they actually make progress towards the return of justice to the cosmopolis, then they are appropriate things. But how much of it is preaching to the choir? How much of it is virtue signaling instead of virtuous action? When it's virtuous action, it's the appropriate action. When it's simply the unfocused expression of rage or a desire to signal support rather than provide it, like changing our social media profiles to reflect the latest in-vogue struggle and have that be the only thing we really do, when what we should be doing is donating money or time if we can because avatars don't fight injustice, they just allow you to wear a team jersey and let everyone know where you stand. So when Marcus is thanking Varus for helping him to control his temper, he's not saying Varus taught him to never be violent. He's saying that Varus taught him to know when violence, voiced outrage, and action was appropriate and effective and when it was unnecessary, harmful, or based in ego and self-aggrandizement. Reflect on this meditation from book number one today. Have you found yourself more concerned with outward appearances than with actually virtuous actions? When you make decisions about what to do with your time, money, or thoughts— how much of those decisions are impacted by what other people might think rather than on what you feel is morally correct and practically effectual? Thank you for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I see that you are a free listener. That's okay, but if you'd like to get rid of ads and support everything we do here at Practical Stoicism, which includes not just the seven episodes a week that you've grown accustomed to, but also lecture series, special events, mini documentaries, and all kinds of other things, you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to do just that. Your support is appreciated, and thank you again for listening. Until next time, take care. Take care.